The entire time I was watching this movie, every time the shark pops up, because I've learned more about sharks and everything, and I know how much they like just like tasting things. They're not really like very vicious in their attacks. They're just trying to taste things around them. I just mm-hmm. imagine them being like, um, no, um. Well, okay. <laughs> like, what's this? We had um. That- <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I imagine every time. It made it didn't take anything away from the story. I thought it was still very like intense, thrilling. But every time they popped out of the mouth, I was just like, um. ah. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda and I read too many books. We are Brother and Sister, and this is our podcast for nerds, where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on and tell you which one is worth consuming. And today we will be talking about Jaws. It's the big one, including the 1974 book by Peter Benchley and the 1975 film directed by Steven Spielberg. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him Jaws. Yeah, and if you are unfamiliar somehow, this is a much older book, uh, but we are still going to respect spoilers for it. So don't worry, we'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or you don't care about uh, spoilers on this book-movie combo, since it's been around since 75, uh, then stick around and listen to the whole thing. So real quick, we will be giving you a brief summary of the story. So when a massive great white shark begins attacking swimmers in the small beach town of Amity, New York, police chief Martin Brody wants to shut down the beaches, but the mayor and other townsmen overrule him out of fear that the small town will lose the summer tourism that they need. Uh, But when the shark attack Attacks escalate, Brody, with the help of a young scientist and a grizzled fisherman, take to the ocean to hunt the shark down. Dang. And it's awesome. Dang. Well, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So, David, what was your first experience with Jaws, either the book or the movie? Uh, I honestly did not know this was based off a book until one day someone mentioned it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Didn't even realize that. Uh, and then if you look at like old pictures of the movie on like the like theaters, it says based on the best selling novel. I guess I just never noticed that. Yeah. B- but I guess we weren't really looking at movie posters, though, in 1975. Yeah, I wasn't like we alive didn't. in 1975. Yeah. <laughs> so that might be another reason why I didn't realize it was based on a book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really know my first memory. I remember life. I never had a life without Jaws. I just remember Jaws. (laughs) It was just always there. (laughs) Always being a thing. Like, I must have seen it when I was super young because I even remember, like, as a kid, our dad would come and, like, mess with us. And when he would do it, he would do the, the, but, um, but, and he would, like, of course, just, like, bother us and, like, mess with us because that was our dad. And he would do it to the Jaws theme. Yes. He... I remember when we were very, very little, he had, like, a washcloth. And he would – it was a pig washcloth, but he would pretend that it was a shark that would eat our face while we were taking a bath. And so I don't – yeah, it's a very, very early – I don't quite remember that, but I do remember many family jokes about it. And so 
the concept of shark attacks has been in in the way embedded in the Wangert tapestry. Once again, you have unlocked a <laughs> hidden memory of mine of being drowned by this shark. <laughs> I think it was something he mainly terrorized me and uh, the the oldest two with. I think, um, but you, who knows? Maybe you were also terrorized by the. Um, the bath towel shark attacks. Yeah, that sounds really weird, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your first experience, though, besides being tortured by our father? Yeah, I honestly don't know that I do remember the first time I watched it. I remember it kind of just being a movie that I don't know if we even owned it necessarily. I think it was just a movie we saw on TV. And then when I was older... Uh, my husband's family really loves it. And so we watched it a couple of times and I realized what a great like movie from beginning in it to end it was. It's just like thrilling and exciting. And uh, like I knew a lot of the story. I knew a lot of the references, but to see it all play out was very fun and interesting. So uh, yeah, like you, I don't quite remember my first time experiencing it, uh, but it has definitely made an impact. I do remember when we went on vacation when I was a kid to Universal Studios going on the mm-hmm. Jaws ride. And, and it was terrifying. Bro- it was terrifying. Like that yeah. old ride, You, I feel like we could do a whole episode on Jaws the ride because its history yeah, it's is not also there anymore. equally as ridiculous. Yeah, it's gone. But I do remember going on the ride and our brother being on the side of the boat where in the ride the shark comes up and pretends to bite the boat and he was yeah. right next to that shark and freaked out. Yes, I do remember that because it's the same. It's supposed to be the scene where Brody is chumming the water and the shark just kind of pokes his head up and like attacks you. Um, I do remember that very vividly from like our first trip to Universal. Yeah, good times. Good. And I do remember our brother peeing his pants, and it was very. Oh, he peed him his entire pants. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about the book. Uh, You want to hear about it? Yeah, let's let's go over some facts because honestly, I knew I purposely stayed blind looking up facts for this one. That's cool. A lot of the facts out there are about the movie, uh, so it was hard to find something that was just about the book because the book was uh, sold. Uh, the movie rights were sold when it was still a gal when it wasn't even published yet. So people had their eyes on it immediately. It is based on. Uh, the series of shark attacks that occurred on the coast of New Jersey in 1916. That was one of the um, the big inspirations for it. And it's actually mentioned in the book itself. It's one of the things that yeah. um, they talk about. And then there's also an incident in 1964 where a fisherman caught a 4,500-pound shark off the coast of Montauk, which is right next to where this story is also set. Uh, so based on like kind of those two intriguing things, um, that's where Benchley came, uh, got his inspiration from and wrote this story. Uh, there was a huge release in February of 1974 when the book came out. The book was actually supposed to come out the year before and they pushed it back so they could have this huge marketing push for it. Hmm. And it was part of a book of the month subscription that you could get, which is funny because I do a book of the month now. So it's funny how things don't change. But because of that and because of the big promotion behind it, it was a huge book from the start. It spent 44 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list for its hardcover release. Wasn't this his first full-length novel as well? This was his first book. Yeah. His That's, first crazy. Novel. Yeah. That's crazy. That's uh, crazy. 
Yeah. Um, it had mixed success, um, but a lot of his success came from the fact that this movie came out right on the tail end of it. So mm-hmm. it had a really good release. And then the next year when the movie came out, it had kind of another push. Uh, so it sold a whole bunch of stuff. Um, a lot of the, the criticism of the book is about how terrible the characters are, <laughs> which is something we'll probably talk We're about We're going to talk about quite a lot. Things. Yeah. Yeah, and Spielberg ended up changing quite a bit of it uh, in his movie. And so, yeah, lots for us to talk about. Um, In the years following the publication of this book, Benchley felt really responsible for the negative attitudes against shark. Sharks, like people were just more and more afraid of them. And so he actually became an ardent ocean conservatist. And so he has spent a lot of his life studying sharks and swimming with sharks. He's a huge shark nerd. In the forward of the book I have, he just talks about how amazing they are. And he has a whole thing in the back of him of it about it. And he was actually the first celebrity guest of the shark of Shark Week on the Discovery Channel when they started doing celebrity guests in 1994. Yeah, he's like the hugest shark nerd now, which is hilarious. That's a pretty solid get. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you buy the book now, you get a pretty lengthy forward from him basically apologizing to sharks. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. he is he's he like wants people sorry to love guys. Yeah. yeah, he really wants people to like him. Yeah, he basically says if he wrote it today, he couldn't because he couldn't demonize sharks because he's come to love them so much. Yeah. And it makes sense like mm-hmm. he, there's quite a lot of uh, a lot of that in the book. Yeah. Uh, and then this steps, a little, my last fact steps a little bit on the movie facts, but he's actually, the author has a cameo in it. He is the newscaster speaking straight to the camera um, during one of the scenes. So you can see Benchley himself talking on the beach in the movie. Hmm, that's kind of cool. I think yeah. they always give like authors like cameos like that. Like they're either newscasters uh, or like someone when an ambulance comes, they're like yeah. the paramedic who gives them like a a blanket over their shoulders or something. Yeah. They always play those two roles. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you want to hit us with some movie facts? Yeah. How, where do I start with probably one of the most important movies ever made? This is this is tough. Okay, there are a billion facts, and I would actually recommend, if you're really interested in this, because I am not going to give you everything you want, to definitely go and watch any of the documentaries they have on this film. I watched like one that was an hour and a half long that was free on YouTube. You can learn so much, and its production is incredibly interesting. So mm-hmm. definitely go check that out. But the production for this movie was an absolute trash fire. It was terrible, okay? Yeah, didn't they start calling it flaws yeah. in production instead of Jaws? <laughs> it's It was terrible. It was supposed to be like a quick shoot and it ended up being like half a year's worth of shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the problems, one, the shark broke down pretty much immediately when they put it into the water because it was uh, made in... A machine in, in water? Well, it was made in fresh water and they were using salt mm-hmm. water. So that was yeah. one of the problems. So production was just constantly delayed on this movie they had saved a bunch of scenes that are supposed to be used when there's like a rainy day or something and they used up all of that filming during them just trying to like fix all the problems with the shark uh it came to a point where uh you know the shark was actually also taken pictures of 
uh, by a bunch of press and Spielberg was pissed because he thought the illusion of the movie would go away because mm-hmm. everyone now saw the shark. Yeah. This eventually led to his amazing decision to pretty much never show the shark most of the movie. It came yeah. out of not a good uh, decision as in uh, like an artistic decision. It came as a practical decision. And it's really funny. And I think to it hear... works both ways. It does work both ways. And what's funny is if you hear Spielberg interviewing about this film, he doesn't ever talk about the filmmaking. He just talks about all the logistical choices he had to make for this movie because yeah. filming on the water and all of that was incredibly difficult. So that's all you'll ever hear from him when he talks about this movie. Mm-hmm. Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss uh, really couldn't stand each other. You could tell that a lot in their performances. But what I think is the funniest part about this entire thing is there is a video of Richard uh, Dreyfus commenting on the movie before the movie's released. And he's like, this movie is going to suck. I suck That's in it. Hilarious. It's terrible. I can't believe because the production was so terrible. So he assumed right. the movie hottest mess. It's going to be terrible. Ends up being one of the most successful movies ever made. <laughs> it's the it's the movie that's credited with being the first summer blockbuster of all time. Yep. Made a hundred million uh, box office, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, a little bit on the screenplay. Peter Benchley was originally the first writer on the screenplay. He wrote it and it was horrible. People did not like it. It still went into production, but there were a ton of problems. So mm-hmm. Carl uh, Gottlieb, I hope I said that right, uh, was originally hired to play a character that's mostly in the book Meadows. But mm-hmm. I liked Meadows in the car- in the book. Yeah, it's actually one of the few characters that I really liked. But he mm-hmm. was asked to rewrite some of the script. And when he did, he completely got rid of his character. In that's the movie. hilarious. He cut yeah. himself from he the script. He cut himself out of the script. There was a brutal that's a good death writer. Yeah, of that's Meadows. a good writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. When you have the mu- like that much forethought to like take yourself out. But he's the yeah. reason why this movie is as good as it is. Because the original yeah, script, the script was is, super bloated. This script, is, I mean, the final product script is a really tight script. It is. It's... Yeah. It's amazing what they were able to do, especially since he rewrote most of it while on set, which is Mm -hmm. crazy to me. That is crazy. Uh, The last fun fact, because, again, there's billions, uh, is there is a shark cage scene near the end of the movie where Mm -hmm. a shark destroys a cage. To get the tasty human meat inside. Oh, yeah, yeah, to get the tasty, tasty human. And they used real shark footage. Like, they went down and filmed real great whites doing it. The problem is, is the great whites, they were using were about 15 feet long and you know jaws is supposed to be 25 feet long mm-hmm. so what they did is build a mini cage and put him put a a much shorter a, person in this yeah. cage a for jockey the footage. yeah a jockey next jockey mm-hmm. the problem is is the person who put him down there assumed that because he was smaller he would use less air in his tank <gasps> Uh-huh. He didn't realize that just because you're small doesn't mean you use less air. So oh my God. when the sharks attacked, so many attacked him at once that the dude went through his oxygen so quickly mm-hmm. and had like uh, uh, like a crazy freak out and passed out in the cage while sharks were attacking <gasps> oh the cage. <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. It was. The footage with uh, the man in the cage was supposedly like unusable but the sh- general sharks attacking the cage was so good that they actually rewrote the script to be able to still use it nice 
also that's terrifying. Picture passing it's out in a cage in the ocean surrounded by sharks. Because you've run out of oxygen? Yeah, that's literally a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So uh terrible job mm-hmm. on the the scuba dude. Mm-hmm. The scuba dude mm-hmm. they should have fired. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that's it. Please go watch more about this movie because I could probably talk for another three hours on just about the history of this film. Well, that's not it. That's our book. Oh, that's our books and movie fact. Now we're going to get into the actual discussion of the story. Oh, yeah. Spoiler yeah, 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 free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Amanda, what did yeah. you think about the story? Uh, I thought in general, the story is super fun. I mean, who doesn't love Jaws? It's such a great thriller. It's this small town versus this, uh, you know, force of nature that's just consuming anybody who goes into the water and the ocean is a super scary place. And so it works on all counts for me. Um, the book has a lot of extra things so there is a if you don't know there's a subplot with um brody's wife having an affair and then there's another subplot where the mayor of the town is uh basically indebted to the mob and so that's uh motivation behind him keeping the beaches open because he wants to sell real estate for the mob uh so those things are you know we'll get into them more in our spoiler section uh but they definitely anything that takes away from uh me versus shark is not something i'm interested in so so long as we were me versus shark i was super in on it it was so good yeah it really does feel like when it's in the man versus shark sections which i'm sure was a special on discovery channel i'm saying that and it sounds familiar i think probably probably but those sections of the book and pretty much all of the movie feels like modern day Moby Dick. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's so interesting is you still get this like terrible animal that terrorizes this town in a setting that feels like something you might be in. Like there's so many scenes in the movie Mm -hmm. that felt familiar because it was like this almost suburban terror, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's why it hooks you in so much is how, Mm how when you get into a water even if it's you know lake michigan for me if i hear that theme i want to go running yeah definitely uh so the the book and the movie were pretty different what did you enjoy about the book so this is hard because i'm going to tell you right now i had a very hard time with this book i understand that (laughs) i i did not i did not like a lot of it and a lot of it has to do yes with some of the characters some of the characters are uh uh changed a bit or given different plot lines that they follow that didn't really serve i think the overall theme of this book anyway Mm -hmm. so i don't know why they were included and i think the worst part of it all is that you have this huge chunk of the book that's dedicated to these subplots and not dedicated to the shark and so the pacing is wild in this book it's a little wild yeah i i liked being in brody's head i thought that was pretty good um anytime where he was trying to navigate the needs of the town uh between like keeping and keeping them safe um i thought that was good and in the in the movie the town definitely becomes like a character of its own and i was surprised that that isn't very present in the book. 
Um, there's not very many scenes with like a lot of the town. It's always just like one person that he's arguing with or like one or like one or two that want something done and Brody's trying to talk them out of it or he's being pressured into it. Um, I think Brody is the is the strongest part of the book, but other than, I felt the same way. The pacing is kind of rough. Um and it needs more shark attacks, if I'm honest. <laughs> I know. I think the the tough part is that the book actually sets itself up very well. The first like mm-hmm. 30 pages of this book so is very good. interesting. Yeah. They they even have this weird subplot of like classism that they have in the town, mm-hmm. which at the start is very interesting and doesn't really resolve into yeah. much, to be honest. Yeah. But like it has so many good starts in but instead uh eventually decides to like focus a lot on these characters and they aren't likable like to be honest at all yeah, to be honest being in Brody's head kind of made me not like him as much because he's kind of a a jerk <laughs> in a lot of in yeah, a lot of people he's he's a bit of a jerk i don't really mind our main character being a jerk because I think he goes through an interesting journey. Um, I did not like anybody else in it. Like Hooper is, is terrible in the book, yeah. like really bad. Uh, Quint is less interesting. He's much more interesting in the movie. Um, the mayor is somehow worse. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> so then what about, um, yeah, not, not our favorite book of all time, but, but what did you like about the the movie? I mean, what's not to love about this movie? I know. It's so hard to talk about what I like about this movie because it is it is both uh, an amazing film in terms of like the technicalities to it mm-hmm. as well as just the story itself. You know, after we saw Jurassic Park and we read that book and it was so good, I thought, no wonder Spielberg was able to adapt this. This is so easy to adapt. Like, I think he had a lot of favors from this, blah, blah, blah. And then when I read the book and I saw what he did with the movie, I was like, oh, this book gave him zero favors. It gave him, like, a couple interesting shark scenes. But what he was able to add to the movie and take away from the book added so much to the overall theme, to the characters. Like, he added jokes there were no jokes mm-hmm. in this book. There's and no jokes in the book. This no. <laughs> movie is, I forget how funny this movie is. This movie is is very, very funny. It also has a lot more uh, friendship in it. Like a lot yeah. of the movie is dedicated to Hooper and Brody like coming to respect each other. And then they get put onto this boat with Quint, who's somehow ev- the craziest person they've ever met. And it's them kind of coming to terms with, with, that relationship too and it's it's very interesting so it's like a buddy cop on the sea kind of where all these very opposite men come together for one cause which is to get rid of the shark and protect this town and that's very interesting especially with like quince character like the quince character is so good in the movie the decision to bring him in early on and to add give him a backstory Mm -hmm. and just a whole lot more time spent with him was such an amazing decision. Cause not only is he so funny to be around, just like when he says something, I laugh, like it's yeah. hilarious. And the, the performance is amazing. Yeah. Uh, 
but his story is also tragic and gives an emotional backbone to the film that it was always hinting at and it didn't mm-hmm. really dive into until his character is truly uh, looked into. Yeah, he gets that monologue. Yeah, there's like key iconic scenes uh, from this movie that are unique to the movie that didn't come from the book. And I think oh, that's yeah. very impressive. Um, even when watching the movie, like the cinematography is very beautiful. There's a couple of shots with them on the ocean uh, with the sun and the clouds behind them that are kind of breathtaking. Uh, and I forget about it because it's an older movie and you just kind of get used to it. Um, but to see it again and like be very critical of it, like watching it with a critical eye, uh, it's it's a very well-made film. Yeah, which shots- considering considering its production is a tribute to Spielberg for sure. This is the first. I mean, I don't watch a lot of movies that were made out on the sea, but it, mm-hmm. the way it's shot in the way that you see the movement in the background, but the foreground is stationary. It makes yeah. you feel like something is constantly uneasy when they're on the sea. And those were always my favorite shots. Are yeah. There's a shot with um, Quint with his rifle or with his harpoon just sitting yeah. on the edge of the boat during sunset. And I was like, wow, yes, I don't know how beautiful. this is not one of the most iconic shots of yeah. all time. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that is our spoiler-free chat. Uh, to get more thoughts, you'll have to keep continue in the episode. But David – uh, for those who don't want it spoiled for them, would you recommend reading this book? No, don't. Please skip it. <laughs> Please, you'll get, I have a lot to say in the spoiler section, but like, just enjoy the movie. Watch it again. It's a, it's yeah. an incredible piece of cinematic history. Just skip this book. It it won't add to your experience even a little bit. Yeah, that's the problem. I think I think it's a fun I didn't hate the book as much as you did. I think it's fine, but I don't think it really adds to the enjoyment of the movie. I think the things you really appreciate about the movie are unique to the movie itself. So, I do think the opening chapter of the book is very good. Um, but it's almost beat for beat the opening to the movie too. So, to do do with it what you will. I don't I don't think you shouldn't read the book, but uh, I don't know if I would say you have to read the book to enjoy the movie as much. You have to be the biggest Jaws fan ever to really have motivation to read this book, I think. Yeah. 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 So, Amanda, let me ask you mm-hmm. the most obvious question of all time. Would you recommend mm-hmm. watching this movie? Obviously, yes. Please go watch this movie if you haven't. Uh, it's incredible. And it's a mark in our cinematic history, I think. So definitely go watch it. Yeah. If you're someone who's kind of afraid to see it, because I know it's almost like if you haven't seen X movie, what are you doing? And then you end up Mm -hmm. not seeing that movie for a while. Or if it's, you know, it just feels old. Like this is a movie that easily holds up today. And you should definitely go see it, especially for the last half of the film when they're on the boat. And if you're the kind of person where you don't want other people to know that this is the first time you've read or sorry, the first time you've watched uh, a movie that you should have watched your entire life like us, uh, don't tell your friends that you can come and tell us about your first watch and we'll celebrate with you and won't judge you for it. I would love to watch someone's first reaction to seeing Jaws. It's incredibly fun. Yes, (sighs) I, I highly recommend it. I wish I could do that. So our recommendation is skip the book. It's okay. Uh, But definitely go and watch this movie. And if you need someone to talk about, 
it with. Come and talk to us about it. I just found out that a girl got killed here last week. And you knew it. You knew there was a shark out there. You knew it was dangerous. But you let people swimming anyway. So, Amanda, let's talk about our spoiler discussion. So turn away if you haven't seen Jaws or you really want to yeah, read this skip book. To, skip to the end where we do some goofs and uh, make fun of David. Those will be there. What? Ugh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, Amanda, what were the most jarring or surprising changes for you? I think uh, the affair that they put in. Um, has to be the most jarring change. I think that's the part of the book that really doesn't age very well. Um, I was fine with Brody's wife having her own story. It just was not a very interesting story. And then it didn't conclude very well either. So I'm not anti stories about affairs necessarily. I think they can be interesting. I think this one in particular wasn't very interesting. Uh, so she has an affair with Hooper and it's basically just used to create tension between uh, Hooper and Brody, which I don't think is necessary because they're already like very different characters. And so it's just something for them to like hint fight about while they're on the boat together, hunting down uh, the shark. And, um, and then Hooper dies and she's sad for a minute, and then she's really thankful that Brody's alive. And then she's like, "Please don't go out." Then, like, they they come out. Unlike the movie, they in the book they leave and then come back and leave and come back when they're hunting down the shark. So they're not out on the ocean the entire time, which I think cuts some of the tension. But she's like, "Please don't go back out onto the o- please don't go back out and hunt the shark. It's already killed somebody." And he's like, "No, I have to. I have to do this." And then she's mad at him. And then we have no resolution to their relationship. It feels like their relationship is just as bad at the beginning of this book as it was at the end of the book. So it's almost like, why bother with this? It feels like a plot device. So I didn't like it. So the most frustrating part about the affair with Ellen and Hooper was the fact that it didn't resolve well. And I didn't even feel like there was good motivation going into it because they use this interesting idea of classism in the town of people who stay there all year round and the people who come there just for the summer, which is interesting, to be honest. And definitely true for towns that are like vacation heavy towns. Yeah. And and delving into the town's social dynamics would have been interesting but instead they use that concept as motivation for ellen who used to come there during the summers but now lives there year-round when she married brody as a reason to miss her old life and want to have an affair i honestly don't understand why they're having this particular issue so many years into their marriage like they have three grown like children and all of a sudden she's like, why doesn't my husband like hang out with my friends? I'm like, isn't that like the first thing you do when you start dating is see if your partner likes your friends? And if they don't, is that an issue or not? You know what I mean? It just it's, yeah. it seems like such a juvenile problem to have. <laughs> the entire thing seems exaggerated in yes. every aspect. Like, And also, I'm just going to say this right away. Benchley is terrible at writing his female characters. Ellen, Ellen seems single focused on status and sex, and that's it. 
And it's yeah. kind of frustrating to see how uncomplicated and annoying uh, to she's be, written. To be fair, almost all the characters are like that. I would say the only character that's not like that is Brody. That's and a fair point. His, his conflict and growth is entirely self-focused. He doesn't like he doesn't reflect at all on his own behavior. He doesn't seem to acknowledge that there's a problem with him at any point. It's really like him coming to terms with his own inadequacy and then being able to walk away from this shark attack, having felt better about himself. And that's his whole story, which is an okay story. It's not great, but it's okay. Yeah. I do feel like if we fast forward five years, they're divorced and it's completely different because they didn't solve their problems. Mm -hmm. Mm-mm. There's no way they're still together. Um, yeah. What about you? Was there anything else that surprised you? In I mean, the, the book is quite different. So, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up that surprised you? Uh, one thing that they actually added to the movie that I think was incredibly sp- smart is they gave Brody a fear of the water, yes. which makes his conflict with Hooper so much more natural and simple. It's he doesn't like being on the water while Hooper does. It's yeah. it's so simple. It's it's crazy. So yeah. that's why uh the Hoop or the Brody character is so much more interesting for me in the movie because it's sort of this small town hero that yeah. seems to me even though I can't read his thoughts like I did Brody in the book, he seems much more sympathetic and relatable because Definitely. one, he makes jokes and two, he has a real fear that I can understand. Yeah, in the in the movie Brody is single-minded about protecting his town. Um the mayor is very much the villain that wants to keep the town afloat. Uh, the like shady sales carsy guy. Um, Quint is the town weirdo, which he isn't really in the book. He's not really part of the town in the book, which I was surprised by. And Hooper is the out of town rich guy uh, that comes in thinking that he's a shark expert. And I kind of wish they would have let him die like he did in the, in the book. Yeah, that's the one. Hooper does die pretty tragically. Well, maybe not tragically, but he just gets eaten. Yeah, I like how he's like petting the shark in the in the book. He literally goes down into the cage. He pets the shark and then it turns around and eats him. It's ridiculous. When I was reading that, I'm like, how stupid are you? Yeah, the shark was literally like like pushing your boat back and forth. Come on. Yeah. Uh. Our next our next question is usually how would you change your story? And we've both written down the same thing. So I'm just gonna say the screenwriter fixed it all. He made yeah. it into a much better story. <laughs> I would I do think, exactly what the screenwriter did. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anything that I would suggest be changed that they didn't already do in yeah. the movie. Now, one thing I am glad they got rid of, uh, uh another change is the removal of the mafia plot. There's like a mafia yeah. who uh, the mayor owes money to with the summer properties in the town. And it's okay. like, you didn't need them. You could literally you get didn't. rid of them and just have the pressure be, he needs to rent out these homes or he'll go bankrupt. And it's just yeah. as motivating. So I, I don't always, get it. Yeah. I always wanted the conflict to just be between the town and the shark. And that's it. And so anything that was about the town and the sh- versus the shark, I was on board for. Yeah, pretty much. So, Amanda, let's get into nitpicks. What are your nitpicks? 
Uh, so this is going to be something very small that I kind of wish they would have carried over from the book because uh, it was the only part of the book that made me laugh. Uh, there's this one scene where they have decided to open up the beach right before 4th of July weekend. And Brody is basically on the beach keeping a lookout because he's worried that people are going to get shark attacked again. And um, Hooper is out on the sea patrolling. Uh, similar to the scene that happens in the movie, and a teenage, a bunch of teenagers bet one of their friends to go and swim out there. And there's like a news team on the beach reporting about these shark attacks, and so they bet the kid to go out, and the shark immediately shows up to try and eat him, and he swims back to the beach. And the entire time this is happening, there is this vacationing family from New York that's just there to see the shark. They haven't even brought their swimsuits. <laughs> they just want to see a shark attack. And so it literally happens. Like the shark almost gets this poor kid right in front of them. And they pull him out of the water just in time, and the shark goes back out to sea. And the family's like, that wasn't that exciting. Like, why wasn't the shark attack cooler? <laughs> and Brody's like, are you serious? <laughs> and I just thought that was such a funny scene. And it's good. To, it's it, it was funny because this book was written a while ago. And it seems like the kind of thing that would be written in a YouTube comment. So it's nice to know that people have just always been like that. It wasn't YouTube that made us terrible. We were always terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think that scene might be my favorite from the book. Uh, yes, because it, it has him funny. interacting with this like ridiculous news crew. It has yeah. him like townspeople are coming up with all these wild stories like, oh, we paid money to go see the shark attack. He's like, it's yeah. not for sale. Who sold yeah. you these? The beach is free. <laughs> Please don't give people your money. It was just such a it felt like a small town problem environment like it felt very true to what would actually happen and so i enjoyed that scene a lot and so oh, i yeah. kind of wish they i understand why they cut it out of the pacing of the movie i think the movie is perfect the way it is but i did kind of miss having that dynamic happen i thought it was really funny they do have some parts of that in the movie like that on the uh, uh the first beach scene where yeah. the shark attack just happened and Brody's just sitting down all these townspeople are just walking up to him and giving him complaints like yes. you need to watch the boys of my lawn and he's like yes. he's like just looking at the ocean and all these like old people keep coming up to him with complaints and it was hilarious yes. it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie too i thought it was really good uh, uh what, so, about, what about you so my i have I have two nitpicks kind of wrapped into one overall nitpick, which is the some of the writing in this book is comically horrible. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Peter Benchley, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. This was his first novel. I'm sure his novels mm -hmm. and writing probably improved after this. But there is some god-awful writing that is comical, okay? The part of the book where I actually, like, gave up a little bit, Ellen and Hooper go out on a lunch for their affair or whatever. Yeah. And there is some horrible dialogue in this it's scene really in general. Yeah, it's really cringy. But this, there are two parts of this chapter that like lost me. Like I hate, like I started laughing at it. The first is when they're like, he took the time to show them ordering their lunch and showed them like going through and going to the waiter and be like, yes, I would like this. And the part where I was like, do you really need to write this? Is he included a bit where the waitress is like, what soup would you like with your order? And then she, she lists out all the soups. Yeah, it was strange. <laughs> and I was like, 
Who is waiting to hear what soup they had no, during their super, affair No, it's super, super important to the narrative, obviously. <laughs> it bugged me so much. But so the worst part about this chapter, though, is at the end, Ellen gets home and she's talking with her husband, Brody, who needs to pee. Yeah. And so he's peeing, which was weird. She talked about how big of a bladder he has and how he, he just pees. pees. <laughs> Which is just, just okay. Just a very strange thing to talk about. But there, <laughs> I'm laughing because this is all. I know exactly so what you're talking about. Yes, um, I know exactly what part. So there is a part where Peter eventually uses piss as a metaphor for their failing marriage. Yeah. Okay, let me read it to you. <clears throat> Ellen heard the stream slow, then dwindle into droplets. Then she heard the toilet flush. <laughs> It was a very dramatic end, and that's where the chapter ends, and then it goes on to something else. It's a very dramatic end for something that's kind of dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a piss metaphor. Yeah. Who uses a metaphor for someone's marriage using piss? Yeah, it's, I, mean, I can't, I don't know. I was, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying my <laughs> my husband hated me like a dump in the toilet. Like, <laughs> my feelings for him were like a pile of garbage, <laughs> ready to be taken to the curb. <laughs> he took out, but it's even dumber than my that. Heart. Like a metaphorical glass on the no, floor. No, because even that's like even more. It's more. It's dumber than that. It's like I felt for him like a pile of broccoli. Steaming in the pot. Like, it's like that. Like, yeah, I agree. I felt his temper rising as the broccoli's heat grew. <laughs> it became mushy, like my feelings for him. I, I put salt on it. It's... It didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is why I like as soon as I read that line, Amanda, I'm going to be honest, I gave up. On I the don't super blame you. It was you. the moment I gave it, up. There's like an entire middle third of the book that doesn't feel like it matters. The first the first part of the book is okay when they're figuring out the shark attack. The end of the book is pretty good when they're hunting the shark down. The whole middle kind of sucks. Just don't do any more piss metaphors, yeah, guys. Like, think of some other metaphor to uh, better explain your failing marriage than your your husband's bladder. No, please. please, future please. writers of America. I'm going to let you know, I had to stop reading and I laughed for a solid two minutes after reading that. Line. I don't blame you. I think I, I rolled kept, my eyes and then tried to keep going. I just kept saying, like, why piss? And then why I think piss? because the whole affair chapter was way too long. And so as soon as we moved away from it and we're like, okay, back to shark things on the beach. I was like, oh, thank God. It was just the cherry on top of a terrible yeah. chapter. So I wanted to ask you, there are a handful of absolutely iconic shots in this movie. Which one was your favorite to re revisit? This is so tough. There are a lot of great scenes mm -hmm. in this movie, so that's hard to choose. I think for me, one of the ones I think I always look at and I say, wow, both because it shows like, like a good rising of tension, but is also just like a beautiful shot is very early on the film. Uh, Brody and the mayor are on this trolley 
on the on the sea on the ferry which you mean brody's uh, yeah. on the ferry mm-hmm. thank you and so brody's already uncomfortable because he's on the sea and then it's a one long take that they actually filmed on it of them moving through and the mayor talking with him and increasingly getting closer mm-hmm. to brody and making him feel uncomfortable with the decision they're making and whenever I watch that scene, it is so perfectly acted. Yeah. The camera movements are so minimal but incredible, and it's all in one take. And you know they probably only did that like once or twice. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Uh, I I say wow to that shot every my time. My all-time favorite scene, hands down, no matter what, and I look forward to it every time and I want to rewound, re- rewind and watch it over and over again, is when you first fully see the shark and Brody is chumming the water and the shark just very slowly peeks its head out and then you have that shot of him like sitting straight up and like like wide-eyed. It makes me laugh every single time. It it like surprises me. Like I feel like that jolt of surprise with him every single time. I love it. I think it's one of the best shots I've ever seen. And I think the reason why it works so well is because it's not particularly like like the music doesn't go bump. Yeah. And there is no there is no cue for you to be mm-hmm. scared. It's just out of mm-hmm. nowhere. And that's that's kind of why all these shark attacks are so terrifying, is because Unless you're talking about the first attack where the girl is screaming and pleading for yeah. help, all the other shark attacks are silent. Yeah. There's a kid in the water, you see a bunch of blood, now the kid's yeah. dead. That's all the other shark attacks mm-hmm. in this film. Um, and that's what makes them so terrifying, is that you don't see anything, and then the person's gone, and all you have is red mm-hmm. water. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. Um, what is your favorite joke in this film? Because I, I always forget how funny this film is. Um, my favorite joke ha- is actually Quint. I think Quint is such a good character in this movie. Um, my favorite joke is when they're bringing the cage on his boat and he's like, cage, cage goes in the water. You go in the water. And then instead of saying anything to it, he just starts singing that song. He's like, farewell, Marbadona, And he just starts like, like, and it's such, it's such a funny scene. And you know exactly what he's thinking. And you agree with him 100% that this guy's an idiot going into the water with this killer shark. Um, and he probably should have died. Uh, but it gets me every time. I think it's so funny. Yeah, and Quint, I mean, I think we forgot to mention his incredible Indianapolis uh, speech yeah. that he does. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's really good. It is the emotional core of the movie, and when he dies, it's why it's so tragic. It is, like, yeah. That moment, I always forget. That moment where he's running, like the boat is going down, and he had said at the end of his uh, speech about being at, in the Indianapolis crash and everything, um, that he would never put on a life jacket again. And uh, I missed that the first couple times I saw it, like again as an adult. And then when the ship is going down, he runs back to get his harpoon gun and uh, he looks at the life vest and he comes back with only two and he still refuses to put one on. And I just think that's such, that's such an incredible moment that's completely subtle and understated. Um, but the fact that he still refuses to give in to – you know, this, this fearful moment uh, and he's going to face off this shark without even a life vest on is awesome. <laughs> and that's why when he, 
every time he dies, I it still hits me. Yeah. It hits me every single it does. time. Yeah. What about uh, you? What's your is... favorite joke? I love okay, that. Favorite. Okay. Actually, I'll let you say it in case this is your favorite line. I wanted to make. Okay. So there's a lot of good jokes that I actually didn't notice. Uh, one of my favorites is when Brody's preparing to get on the boat, his wife asks him if he's taken any drama meme. Yeah. And I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> it's pretty but funny. But like the, the face he makes, it made me laugh. But I mean, I think the best joke is really simple. And I think everyone knows this one where uh, Quint has a beer and he just downs the entire beer while yeah. yelling at the dudes to do everything. Yeah. And he just looks at Hooper and crushes the can. Then Hooper has his tiny little thing of water and he his little styrofoam. It and then his little styrofoam cup and then he just crushes his little yeah. styrofoam cup. Gets me every time. Yeah, that one's pretty good. And then uh we're gonna need a bigger boat gets me makes me laugh every single time. It makes me chuckle. Yeah, it's such like I always forget that it's supposed to be played off as a joke. Yeah. Because it's so freaking uh, and it's scary. such an iconic line. Yeah. Yeah. And it was ad libbed, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, I love that. I I mean, that's what you're thinking when you're watching it is yeah. like, wow, that boat is not big enough. No, not even the the shark is easily as big as the boat. Yeah. One other thing that I will say that I noticed, maybe we should start doing this actually mm. when we watch movies that we've seen a million times, which is a section like, what did you just notice? Yeah. Or something like that. Because I feel like that's a lot of what I'm saying now. But it's how smart Spielberg was at raising tension through some of very simple shots. Yeah. Because whenever they travel from the front of the boat to the back of the boat, they need to climb on the side of the boat, which is this very slippery, slippery ledge. Mm -mm. And every time someone walks on it, he shows it. Yeah. And it's tense every yeah. single time. My toes like, tingle every time it happens. Yeah. Don't fall in the water. And so when... Brody slips and almost falls into the water. I'm like, well, he's dead. Nope. Yep. There he goes. He's dead. Yep. You feel it every single time. Ugh, it's so great. Any other lasting uh, impressions? I think the biggest difference that we haven't talked about yet is the fact that in the book, uh, there's no shark explosion. And in the movie, there's a great big summer blockbuster shark explosion at the end, uh, which I love. I would never – I love that Brody lines up his last shot. He says his one-liner, and he shoots the freaking shark, and it explodes. I think that's such a – it's such a great precedent for the summer blockbuster that we have tried to live up to ever since. My favorite part about that scene, too, is, you know, I was watching this with our dad, and he said when he saw this in theaters when he was a kid, which, by the way, he would have been, like, seven. He should not have seen this when he, he was seven. He would have been – he would have been, when did this Seven. come out? 75? No, he would, have been, he would have been eight, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess eight. Yeah. Because he was born on the new year. Why are we talking about our dad's age? Now, this is good <laughs> podcast material. But yeah, you're but, right. He's very young. <laughs> but he always said his favorite scene, is, and he always wondered how they did it as a kid, is when the boat is sinking and he's lining up the shot, Brody climbs to the top of the, like, um... Mm -hmm. the sail on the boat or not the sail the antenna or whatever's on top of the boat and he lays down on it as the boat is sinking and they get that shot of the boat sinking yeah, and him taking cool. the shot yeah it's such a dynamic shot in terms of movement because the camera's like uh up above the water you see him falling down mm -hmm. you see him taking the shot it's such a it's such a freaking cool shot very, guys yeah it's a very solid ending in the book um, basically the shark gets pulled under as the boat is pulled under because he's harpooned. 
or maybe it's like the floating. It's a little bit ambiguous how he dies, but basically the shark bleeds out and just dies yeah. as it's about to attack Brody, and then he's just fine. So Bro- in the book, Brody actually gets away with never having take even taken a shot at the shark, really. I think he like uh, tries to shoot it and misses a bunch of times. Uh, but he is the only one who doesn't believe he can face off with the shark, does not face off with the shark, and then survives. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting choice. I like Brody exploding the shark a little bit better. I think it 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 makes me like his character a little bit gonna. more. <laughs> the best part is that they filled the shark head with a bunch of squid mm-hmm. so that when it blew up, it just looked super fleshy. It's very nasty. fleshy and gross when it blows oh, it's up. Amazing. Yeah. I like it. A I love lot. it. Yeah, it's really good. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. It's so hard to get a good explosion, but that one was great. That one's really good. It's really bloody and gross. Yeah. So let's end on bloody nasty shark explosion. Excellent. Just like that. Okay. So that'll wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe so you can get automatically updated when new episodes come out wherever you get your podcasts. We are still pretty new. So if you enjoyed anything we talked about in the last hour or so, please leave us a review and tell your friends. Yep. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are at AdaptedPod on all of those. You can also send us suggestions like this movie was. This mm-hmm. was suggested by some of our friends. So please uh, let us know what you'd like to see next, either by hitting us up on Instagram or emailing us at stuff at AdaptedPod.com. Yes. And if you leave us a review, we will read it at the end of our episode and force David to do it in a very funny voice. Yes. So what voice are you having me do this time, Amanda? What is your voice? Okay. I have two options. Let me know which one you like better. You can either be a a baby shark, brand new to the world, trying to taste everything around you, or you could be a gr- the grizzled old um, sailor uh, who is on his last ride or die on the sea. Uh. I can't really beat the performance as the old man. I've also done a lot of old men lately. I've done a lot of old men. But I think it would be a shame for me to do a uh, better performance than uh, uh, Robert Shaw. Yeah, so I impossible. Think that, would, uh, that wouldn't do justice. So I guess I'll do a tiny little baby shark that's baby new shark. to the world. Just listen to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You just listen to our <laughs> podcast and you're trying to taste everything in the tasty sea. Okay. <laughs> Hey guys, it's me. Nom nom the shark. I'm new to this world and I I want to tell you about a new podcast. Love it. Uh, I am so glad I found this podcast. It has quickly become one of my favorites. I love the book versus movie discussions. It's also fun to hear someone else's perspective on this. Also, the hosts of this podcast are amazing and tasty. And I am always looking forward to the next episode. Nom nom. Is that good? Excellent. <laughs> Ugh, okay. You sound exactly like a that. little you sound exactly like a little baby shark. Uh that was also from Jesse2025 on Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. Please leave a review and you'll get to hear my dumb voice. Yeah, and if you want to give us a suggestion of what type of voice you would like your review to be read by, read in. And if you want to include many hard to uh to pronounce words in there, that would be very cool. We would applaud you for that effort. Oh my God. I'm glad no one's actually caught on to that yet. I know. Of how terrible they could torture me at the end of these episodes. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So. <laughs> <sighs> I okay. think any minute now we're going to get the perfect review 
that's going to be your nightmare to read. And I can't wait to make you read it. I cannot wait. So, Amanda, what are we consuming next? Because it's your pick. Yeah, I had a couple of ideas. We had some suggestions and we've kind of mapped them out for the next couple of them. But we like to kind of shift tone from time to time. We kind of did two thrillers in a row. So we want to do something fun. And so I'm going to pick a book that I loved um, to read and was extremely disappointed by the movie adaptation. And I want to complain about it. And that is. Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief, um, by Rick Riordan. Riordan? Riordan? Royden? I think it's Riordan. Royden. Ooh, we got to learn this by next week, Amanda. It is Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief. <laughs> it is written by Rick Riordan um, and produced by Disney a little while ago. And it is such a dumpster fire, and I can't wait to talk about it with you. Yeah, we've already made a lot of references to that, so I'm glad to finally be able to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys want to participate in the complete spoilery section, uh, read that book and watch that movie before our next episode in two weeks. Until then, remember to throw buckets of chum everywhere. Just bucket yeah. buckets of chum. Until then, always trust your local weirdo to kill the things you want dead. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs>